0: This podcast is brought to you by Primed. David is retiring next week and is here for his hypertension follow-up. He says, retirement is all I've worked for, and now that it's here, I don't know what to do. I'm worried about things, including my memory, and that I'll end up like my parents. They had dementia. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me this morning is Jill Tarion, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the UMass Chan Medical School, Tan Ching Graduate School of Nursing. You know, Jill, I'm always worried about my memory, and I I, I sympathize with David. Uh, Dementia is really common. Want to give us a quick recap on on dementia?
1: Absolutely, and I I think, Frank, that everybody has a story about it. And It's one of those things where how can I not get it, right? So some stats. Uh, Someone in the world develops dementia every three seconds. That was a striking statistic to me. There are over 55 million people worldwide living with dementia in 2020. This number almost doubles every 20 years. It'll reach 78 million in 2030 and 139 million in 2050. And much of this increase will be coming in developing countries. And what we know is Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia, and that's followed by vascular dementia and then mixed pathologies. Many people affected by dementia are concerned that they may inherit or pass this on to their family. The majority of dementia is not inherited. Let me restate that. Most of it is not inherited by children and grandchildren. In rarer types of dementia, there may be a strong genetic link, but these are only a tiny proportion of overall cases of dementia.
0: Jill, that's so important to restate because I think everyone's worried they've got a relative with dementia and the majority of dementia is not inherited. I didn't know that. Thanks for bringing that up.
1: Well, I think that's a common misconception, including my own family, that, you know, has had dementia. And, and I worry. I worry about myself, my children, and, and my relatives. So yeah, I was really, um, I don't know if I was relieved to read that or if it was just, you know, with the statistics, it's very striking.
0: I agree. I agree. And I, I, I also worry a lot about how people are engaging less with each other in a personal way. We're doing so many things over the screens. Um Does screen use or do other things impact the development of dementia?
1: It's interesting because I have such a keen interest in this. I'm always looking at studies that come out and anything that relates to me or could relate and help my patients and my family. So there is some new data that can help give us insights into activities that might help David and other people. And the research characterized the association between various measures of internet usage, so as you talk about screen time, Frank, internet usage, and dementia. And what they looked at was dementia-free adults between the ages of 50 and 65. They were followed for a maximum of 17 years, but on average about eight years. They used the Health and Retirement Study, and what they found that um, in over 18,000 adults that regular internet usage was associated with approximately half the risk of dementia compared to non-regular usage with the relationship to the dementia incidence. So you have to say, well, how much do they have to use the internet? How much do they have to be on that screen? And the lowest risk was observed among adults. And listen to this timing 0.1 hour, which what is six minutes up to two hours of usage. So not really an overabundance of staring at a screen. And overall the conclusions were that regular internet users experienced approximately half the risk of dementia than non-regular users. So being a regular internet user for longer periods in late adulthood was associated with delayed cognitive impairment. So if you weren't an internet user before you were an older adult, you know, become one, because that can possibly help you. And it might be, you know, you have a lot of people that don't, that say, I don't use a computer. I, they're few and far between these days, but, you know, it might be a new skill they might want to learn. And again, stimulating the brain, stimulating cognitive activity. But another study looked at um, looking at accelerometers. So basically, people wore an accelerometer on their wrist, and it was the main, the main point was to assess sedentary behavior. So they looked at the number of times you were sedentary a day and its association with dementia. So they looked at 50,000 adults. They were 60 or older. This was done in the UK. And obviously these people did not have dementia. They looked at them for almost seven years. And among older adults, more time spent in sedentary behaviors was significantly associated with all cause dementia. So again being active, movement. So, you know, we have to look at that as well.
0: Okay, two interesting things. One is using regular usage of the internet for less than two hours a day lowered the risk of dementia, as well as being active. Activity levels also lowered that risk. Good things. Now, I'm losing my hearing I'm always worried about about dementia. What other evidence-based methods can we encourage patients to do that will lower their risk?
1: Yes. Yeah, so there was a 2022 20, Cochrane review done, and you know, overall, and I think what we hear all the time, it's lifestyle. Lifestyle is always. You know, the basically foundation of everything we talk about with patients with their chronic illnesses and everything. So, but lifestyle behavior, diet, sleep, and activity. But in this Cochrane review, they looked at leisure activities and how, you know, we have leisure activities are modifiable and healthy lifestyles are proposed to help prevent the development of dementia. So, There was a study that looked at um, different types of leisure activities. So they included cognitive, physical, and social activities on the incidence of all-cause dementia, Alzheimer's disease, and vascular dementia. So what the findings showed were that um, leisure activities are inversely associated with the risk Of all those dementias I just mentioned. So what do we mean? Let's let's look at those three areas. Cognitive activities are basically conscious and intellectual activities. Reading, reading books, magazines, newspapers, read your screen on your computer while you read the book and get a double bang for your buck. Watching TV, listening to the radio, writing for pleasure. I mean, some people do calligraphy. They pick up a new playing games, cards, checkers, crossword puzzles I think about sudoku that's very popular Um, playing musical instruments and then again we already talked about using a computer and browsing the internet painting and crafts again engagement engaging your mind physical activities you know think about everything we can do even for people that have some chronic issues walking for exercise hiking or excursions jogging running swimming anything that moves your body of late Pickleball, right? That is one of the biggest, uh, you know, games that people have picked up. Doing group exercises, Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, calisthenics, and dancing. Um, But social activities that involve communication with others. So attending an interest class, joining a social center. With my older adults, I always talk about what's your senior center in town? What are they doing? Okay, well I'm not old enough. I'm 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 I don't want to go with those old people. Well, yeah, but maybe you want to go there and volunteer or help drive people to appointments. There's many things they can do. So meeting relatives and friends, religious activities, and looking, you know, to participate in organized group discussions.
0: Jill, I love that list and I really appreciate the Cochrane digging in and giving us that insight. Um, And I like the idea. That's a great idea. When patients push back and say, no, no, no. I'm not old enough to go to the senior center yet. Well, go volunteer. There's plenty of people who could use your help. That's great advice. Okay. So David's here. How do we counsel him?
1: Well, I think he needs a plan. Now, this is kind of like a lot in, you know, coming in for his, you know, blood pressure check and he's throwing this at you. So it's, it's like, okay, is he having any memory issues? Has anything happened? Do we need to dive deeper and do a baseline assessment? You always want to think about that. Um, You know, uh, you know, use a tool to measure, you know, do a mini mental status, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, Check some lab work, right? We think about thyroid, vitamins, things like that. Does he have any financial worries? You know, Yes, he's planned this, but is it really, um, has he got what it takes to, not that we're financial advisors, but financial worries are on the top of people's lists. How are his relationships? Who's he got in his life? Who's his support? And who can he do that with? So, you know, address his concerns about dementia head on. You know, you got to stay active mentally, physically, and with social activities. And, and talk about all the findings that we just discussed from the Cochran Review, because the main thing is, it can be overwhelming if you gave them a list, but you got to do something. The less you sit, the more you do, the better off you are overall, not just for dementia.
0: Jill, I love this discussion and I would loved, I, I should look online and see if I can find a really good handout that I could post or a poster I could put in my office because people are constantly coming in saying, oh, what can I do? What can I do? There's so many simple things that you've mentioned here. And as people get older, they tend to... Um, you know, hide themselves. They go they go in instead of out. And being social in one way or another seems like it's the key.
1: You are so right, Frank. You see their social network lessons. And, you know, I worry about people that, you know, have a network of friends and as they age, they start losing them. And that is, you know, you really want to pay attention to that in your patients and, and how you can intervene.
0: Jill, this is great. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Frank. Practice Pointer. Prevent dementia. Get up, move around, do something, because anything is better than nothing.
0: Join us next time where we have a very simple rule to help identify patients who believe they have a penicillin allergy and truly do, and ways to prove that they may not. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed to claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out primed.com for additional CME content.